Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hey there and welcome to episode 698 of your Ultimate Life. Today I want to talk about the impact of writing books and singing songs. You know, to live a life that you love, which you deserve, and I know you can have. It also involves doing things that are fun. I talk a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about the divine gifts and talents that we have. I don't know what yours are, but I absolutely know for sure you have some. And you know what? I'd love to know what they are. So I'm inviting you to schedule time with me so I can get to know you, so I can figure out and how to enjoy your gifts and talents and how you add good to the world. Because I know you are, I know you do, and I'd love to know more about how you do that. Uh, one of the things that I've learned over the years is what some of my gifts are, and I intentionally now use them. I love to serve with my gifts and develop them. So discovering, I use discover, develop, and serve, right, with your divine gifts. To me, that's the way to ultimate happiness. It also creates prosperity and joy and money and good relationships and all kinds of fun. So two of the ones that I want to talk about today in how they how I use them and how it helps me create the ultimate life of writing books and singing songs. I started with music at a very early age. I, I don't actually remember learning to read music. I learned to do that at the same time I learned to read, which was pre-kindergarten, you know, and I was four, I think. And, uh, you know, I, obviously someone else, my mom or dad or someone would know, but my dad's gone and my mom's nearly 90, so I don't know if she'd remember. It doesn't matter. I just don't remember learning. I always knew how to read and I always knew how to read music. And so music has been a big part of my life forever, but it played a really weird role in my life. So my mom's an accomplished musician. She played guitar. She sang well. She played the piano. She accompanied a lot of people. She did a lot of work in the church and in her community, playing for you know programs and community programs and a lot of work in elementary schools, teaching kids to sing, just all kinds of volunteer work, spreading the joy of, of life and love through music. And that was wonderful. And she got when when they finally moved out of the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, back up to Wyoming. I was you know the local newspaper wrote up an article about big long article about how much she'd done in the school districts and how many who knows how many thousands of kids she blessed and helped and taught to love singing and all the rest. So it was a spectacular influence in my life. How it got weird was that somehow, um, I. And I, I never actually had a conversation with my mom about this, but the impression that I had from everything she said is that music is a wonderful gift and it is to be used, you know, in service. And I believe that too. But somehow in her math, her calculus, that it excluded professional work. So being a musician involved a lot of risk because musicians were on the road and we lived in the San Francisco Bay Area during that time when the hippies came into business. The summer of love was 67. I was 12 that year. So that was very clear and present. The, the you know occupation of San Francisco State and all those kinds of things 
were were real for us. And so music for her was uh, professional music carried the veneer of evil, wrong, bad. And so the idea that I wanted to do music for a living, that I loved it and wanted to have that, that was beyond her ability to either comprehend or approve. It was negative, no, bad, wrong. So when I started pursuing that and wanted to play professionally, I was very highly discouraged and it was absolutely negative and fraught with evil and wickedness in her mind. There was also that whole stigma associated with certain types of music, any popular music, rock and roll and uh, Ray Charles singing jazz, you know, was all evil because in her mind it was associated with, you know, bad nightclubs where bad things happened. And I'm not saying bad things didn't happen in lots of those venues, but they happened in highfalutin concert halls and all kinds of other places. So I came away with this warped conflict about music itself. And that caused enormous struggle in my life. Now, if you followed my stories before, you know about the depression and about the beatings and about all the rest and struggling with depression for decades and the addictions and everything else. I just want to talk specifically about music here. Because that was a negative thing in her mind, everything that I did in music was not interesting. So when I started creating music records, albums, recording, writing and recording music, I don't think she ever listened to any of it. And it was by, you know, by default, there's something bad about it. And that hurt me really bad. It, it just was no support, no support, no support ever. And so because of the whole not good enough thing, I believed, I bought into the story. It must be bad. There's something wrong with me. After all, by the time I had this next decision to make, I'd been divorced once already and I was uh, well into my second marriage for many years, 10 or 11 years. And uh, I was faced with the choice of, of closing the recording studio and effectively abandoning the idea of music professionally or, you know, ending the other job and pursuing it full time because my studio was busy enough now that I really needed to make that choice. So for me, I chose to shut it all down and, and, you know, pursue the corporate career. And I was very successful at that, but I was miserable. And it created a conflict for about 12 years from, well, more than that, 14, 15 years from 1993 uh, to 1992. And I closed the studio to 2007. For those 15 years, I simply ignored the creative urges that I had. I yearned and pleaded in my soul for music. I did some <clears throat> in the way that she had, you know, in service and community programs and church and a lot of that and enjoyed it. But there was a far bigger yearning in me to do more and to be more, but I ignored it. And so how I describe it is I sort of paved over the whole basement foundation and first floor of my life. And I built a life, a house essentially on top of that from the second floor up. And like it always does, you know, the rot in the foundation makes things come crumbling down. And it did. And the whole story of all this drama, including all the rest, is in the book Tightrope of Depression. But I mentioned just some brief details, some brief description, because it was such trauma for me to believe that the thing I felt called to do most of all was somehow evil, that my main mission in life was to get back in her good graces because she had God on her side. And 
so I believed all this stuff and it controlled my life forever until I quit letting it. Now, there's a lesson for you in terms of your ultimate life. When you let anyone else control your life, you won't be happy. That's really simple. If you live someone else's script, it is not fulfilling. Except the exception would be the divine. So the divine gave us gifts and talents. If God allows us, inspires us, teaches us what to do, then that is not a place that is miserable. But if you follow anybody else's script, it's unsatisfying. Because it's not what you need. You were built and called to do certain things, and you know what they are. You feel that intuition and invitation. So in 2007, 15 years after I made that fateful decision to just let it all go, by then I had been divorced a second time from that very marriage I was in at the time I decided to do it. About uh, eight years later, 2000, that ended. And there was a third marriage from 2000 to 2005 that was a disaster from the start i guess is the best way i can say that then i was single for a couple of years and in 2007 i had the whole divine intervention that i've described that a bunch of other times and on many podcast episodes of others where i've been a guest so i'm not going to repeat that story now because this this episode's about how to do good how i choose to do that with the music i write now and the books that i write before that 2007 divine intervention and radical change, I was living someone else's script, doing what I thought I was supposed to do, failing at it, failing at being happy, very successful career-wise, miserable internally, and a wreck. And I'd wrecked three relationships in my own life, my health, uh, you know, with addictions and the whole nine yards. So there, there I was. That was the reality of my life. And when that invitation to change came, in 2007, again, I'm not recounting all that here. It's in the book Tightrope, plus I've told it on other episodes. I made some decisions. Now, not instantly. And this is important, at least it was for me, in creating that life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that I enjoy today. And that, it was, I'm going to control my life. No longer out of spite. You can't tell me what to do. Booms my life. None of that. But it was a gradual realization that I was sovereign and that I had not only the opportunity, but the obligation, the responsibility to intentionally choose my life. Otherwise, forces around me would choose things and it would just sort of go according to either some random plan or some negative plan, but certainly not according to what I wanted to do, right? And so as I began to claim that, I had to get rid of all those old fish hooks. All the old hooks that said you have to do this or that because you're supposed to. You're supposed to pursue this kind of career. You're supposed to do this and supposed to do that. I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. And after the change, the radical change in 2007, now mind you, I was 52, so it was late in life, or later, mid, mid, midlife, I guess, um, I, I realized not only did I have now an opportunity that I'd never taken before, it, would, it had always been there. Like nobody forced me to do that. I allowed that to control me. And that's a little bit like we talked about yesterday when I talked about the ultimate life transformation experience. We allow these other stories. That was a huge external influence that I allowed to control me in an unhealthy profoundly disempowering way for decades. 
decades. Imagine that. So anyway, I had to work on a lot of things. I had to work on forgiveness. I had to work on self-forgiveness. I had to work on understanding that it was okay to take control of my life. In fact, that I was required to, or else it would turn into nothing. And that was evidenced by the fact that it certainly was nothing there. Three divorces, uh, angry kids, some of which didn't talk to me, and a few don't still today. And I'm working on that, and joyfully and hopefully. There's no question that will happen at some point. But anyway, I, I just, I finally realized what I talked about yesterday. I need to take responsibility and control of my life and do it, not vindictively, not angrily, but out of curiosity and joy. Curious, what are the gifts and talents that I have? How can I add good to the world with those things? Genuine questions. What do I love to do? Well, I love to re write music. I love to sing. Now, I had a whole dance about my ability to sing solo work, even though <clears throat> I had performed in choirs all my life. I had directed choirs. I'd written music for choirs and orchestras. I'd performed in musical capacities forever. That solo stuff scared me. And I had another story about not good enough. Over the years, I began to start writing. And, you know, I hated writing before. I thought, I, I don't write very well, and I avoided it. I'd written some technical papers in a you know, in, in accordance with the consulting positions and stuff that I had, but I didn't particularly like writing and I put it off and I didn't want to do it and everything else. And then I began to feel called to write. I began to feel a real desire to share my learnings and thoughts and feelings in writing. So I began to do that. And the first books I put out were a five-volume series on meditation in the, the latter part of 2009. So two years after that, I began to experiment with what gifts do I have? And I realized that I, I not only wrote well, but I liked it. And I developed a system for writing. And it works because now I've written 18 books and I find it easy and fun. And you know where the source material comes from? My life. The things that I've learned, my desire to serve you here now. It's an infinite supply of source material. And you know what's fun? You have that too. Like me, maybe you don't believe so. I remember early in my career, I went to a, a conference and there was a powerful speaker on stage and he was talking about using life stories to make an impact, change people's lives and all the stuff that I do now. And I, I stomped out of the conference in tears of frustration saying he'd done spectacularly well, but I was mad because he was so good. I wasn't jealous, but it was like, I said, I could do that. I could do that too. But I don't have a story. Me, I got nothing. And I didn't realize the story that I had, the... Um, successes that I had created and was creating, and that the story continued. Now, that was in about 2013 or 12, over 13. So that's 10 years ago. And now, and 10 years later, I've written, besides those initial five, I've written, I think, 13, 12 or 13 more, because I have 18 now, and I have six underway. It's hard to keep track of exactly. but And it has become easy and fun, in fact, so much so that I created a system for writing books. And then I wrote a book about that system called The Story Arc. And I use that to help others who have 
to discover their stories, to discover and develop their gifts, to learn to believe in and express those things in a powerful way in service of others, to share their life learnings and experience for the benefit of those who want to learn, who want to know. And so the music journey has been similar I, like I said, I started writing then, and now I'm constantly at least two books a year. I write and get published, and well over 10 of them are Amazon number one bestsellers. And I use them in curriculums, uh, curricula uh, for classes. And it's spectacular and fun, and I love, love, love helping people find and use their story to help others. So that's why I write. It's an expression of my divinity. It's an expression of a gift and talent that I have with words. It's an expression of how I love to help people by convincing them, by telling my story and helping to convince them that they have both story and power and opportunity. So it's a wonderful thing that I just thrill to do. And now the songs has followed a similar path, except the songs were harder. Something about being able to write and edit a book and not have it be seen until it's published, for me at least, made that easier. Uh, one of the things I did from 2009 to 16 for those seven years is I participated in a large choir. And it was very, very professional. In fact, three albums, they've released more than three albums, but three albums that I was part of during that period of time charted number one on the Billboard charts in the classical section. So I've had experience in a choir performing at that level, years of experience, not a, not a little while, seven years, many, many, many performances. That still didn't allay my fears about my ability to do solo work. And it had to do, again, with fear of being judged, fear of not being good enough, of, of doing, trying to do something and failing, being laughed at, being found wanting giving it all, being up there alone in the light, and then being burned to the ground by the eyes of those who watch and the unspoken criticism that I imagined would take place. Any of that resonate? That unspoken, what we think, what we worry other people are thinking, critical eyes and oh, attitudes and whatever? Well, that just kept me hostage. So I decided like I have for all the other things, to do something about that. And I hired a vocal coach. I shared with him this whole story, told him my goal is to get over that. And that means I both want to develop skill and talent beyond what I had done in that choir. So I have good solo chops. And more than anything, I need to, I need, I want, I choose to create my life such that I am a powerful meaningful singer. I can sing songs that tell stories. So for me, it isn't yay me the singer. It is, can I tell the story through the song in a beautiful, meaningful, powerful way that helps someone who hears it? You know, sometimes you'll get a song that comes up at a particular time in your life and forever, that's like one of your favorites. It might be a hurting song because of a breakup, or it might be an empowerment song because of some victory, 
or a reminiscent song of some other time in your life. But you know how music affects us. Well, I wanted to write those, and I'd written lots of music. So in the process of writing uh, books, when I, when I wrote Tightrope of Depression about my journey in 2014 and 15, about halfway through, I realized I wanted to do something more. So I decided to write music, songs. And for some reason, I picked 11, and I wanted to write 11 songs that told the stories, some of the stories from that book. So I did that. <clears throat> and writing music was fun, and it was joyful and a great creative release. Then it came time to put the vocals down because they were all pop-style songs, meaning they have lyrics and verse and tell story, right? And putting those vocals down was hard. Many, many takes, and it frightened frightened me all the time. I saved them till last, and it was hard. Then I wrote the sequel to the book Tightrope called Down from the Gallows. I hadn't actually intended to write more than one about life, but as life went on after I finished that book in 2015, I realized, holy cow, I'm just getting started. So then I realized I got to write the next one, and I did, and I thought, well, I got one album. wasn't quite done then, but... Almost done, I better do another one. So then I wrote another album. And uh, the first album was told sad songs, sad stories from Tightrope. Struggles and pain and all that stuff. And the second book was post the work I'd done on depression and you know, back into a healthy place. So that album is called Promise and Power. And the, the 11 songs, and I chose 11 again on that album, tell stories of hope and recovery and connection to the divine and opportunity and my beautiful wife. Several of the songs refer to her and how we met and how powerful and important that is to me. And still, when I got ready to do the vocals, it was a scary thing. It got, it was easier because I'd been working now for three or four years with this vocal coach. So it got easier and got better. And those were all finished, I don't know, about three years ago in 2019 right before the pandemic <clears throat> i think maybe 18 anyway so then when i conceived these books i realized it was going to be a trilogy and that would be the end of it and so that third book is planned already i've written the outline <clears throat> and i'll have that done first part of 2023 next year so i don't know when you're going to hear this but it will be done in the first quarter of 2023 and probably out in the summer and I started writing that third album. And again, uh, I'm not doing 11 songs. I'm doing a little bit more. I think I'm going to put 14 on there. But these are songs, again, of hope, positivity, adding good to the world, love, the things that I put in my coaching. And here is the reason I'm telling you that big, long story is this. Now I'm doing the vocals for those. I'm not saving them till last. I'm doing them with joy and with power and with ease. Now that has taken me some work and years to do it. But the feeling that I now have, because I'm adding good to the world, using my writing, my composing, my studio chops, and my voice to add good to the world, it also helps me make money and make a living. And I share all that because I want you to understand, never in any world would I have imagined back in the days of disempowerment that I could have made money, made a living, made an impact, helped people, served, done good, add good to the world, all that stuff from my gifts and talents. And I have many, so do you. 
And two of them are this writing and this singing. And they do, they work, and they help me hugely enjoy my life every day. A life of purpose, prosperity, and joy. And I'm sharing these details with you so you'll know that it's possible. There's nothing more important about my journey or my story than there is about yours. So I tell you this in, in all sincerity, I share it with you, in case it will be helpful, in case it will be encouraging, in case it will send my love to you, my absolute certainty and encouragement that you can use your gifts and talents to serve and bless others, to create purpose, prosperity, and joy, and enjoy fully your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stay